Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guest today is Christine McAllister. So Christine and I actually just got connected about a week ago. I saw a post that she had put up on LinkedIn, a very vulnerable, honest, raw post talking about the loss that she experienced of a daughter seven years ago. And she was brave enough to say it out loud and what that experience was like for her, as well as how it had her really step into her purpose. And I remember seeing that come across my feed, not by accident. There was obviously a reason for it to show up in front of me. And I was immediately touched by her bravery, like I say, to actually even just say that out loud and to really reflect on what that experience was like and and the lessons that she's learned from it and the gratitude that she's actually been able to experience and express in a tragic situation like that. And I know this experience all too well as well. And I actually commented on her post saying that exact thing, which is I held my daughter in my hands for 10 minutes while she didn't actually take any breaths from what the doctors told us, but I felt an energy in that body and I saw it move and she was there for a moment, just a moment in time. And I remember how devastating it was at the time. And I, and still thinking back on it, even it's very hard to think about. It's very painful to think about. And there's still many moments when I do think about it and it makes and breaks me down into tears. But I've also moved on to see the gratitude and the, and the gift that was in that loss. And there's a lot of things to unpack with regards to what that actually means and how that could even be possible. But that was why I was interested in having Christine on my show was to sit down with somebody that I knew could actually relate to that experience that I went through on a very personal level and just talk through it, talk through all of the emotions, everything that came up for us in that time and then in in the time since then. And yeah, it was just a really powerful episode and one that uh, I'm glad that I leaned into because I might not have done that in the past to actually have a conversation about this kind of topic. And I'm really grateful for Christine for leaning in to the conversation with me as well and making it a truly vulnerable, honest share that I think everybody that listens to this is going to feel the emotions, but also the gratitude for everything that we go through in our life. It's truly here to serve us and it's not happening to us. It's happening for us. So let's go ahead and give this one a listen. Okay, here we go. Christine, it's so nice to meet you in the virtual flesh, that is. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Trevor. You too. Yeah, we've never actually met aside from 15 minutes ago, where we had a few back and forth of, you know, trying to get to know who each other is and where we're located and what the weather is like and all that stuff. And And that's great, but I can't wait to dive even deeper in and have a really great discussion with you because we share a commonality of unfortunate circumstances, of loss, which we'll get into, that ultimately I believe is what brought us together, though, too, which is also kind of beautiful in a lot of ways. So beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to really, and I mentioned this to you before, because you said, you know, well, what is kind of the context of this podcast and who am I trying to reach and all that kind of stuff? And I've really focused this podcast on being a space where people can just speak the vulnerable, honest truth, whatever that is for them in that moment, whatever comes up for them. And I'll actually read one quote here really quickly here too, and then I'll, I'll ask you a question. But that is a Brene Brown quote where she said, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be somebody else's survival guide. So that is our grounding. (laughs) Yes. Take a breath on that one. And obviously we both have a very intimate um, story and, and vulnerable story to share. And I've never really spoken out loud about this before too, which is why I thought, hey, why don't I just maybe do it with somebody? But Let's maybe start, first of all, though, with 
you introducing yourself to everybody here. So who are you? Where are you located? What's brought you to this place right here? And how are you feeling about having this discussion? Oh, I love it. <laughs> so I am the founder of a company called Life with Passion. And I live in Louisville, Kentucky, of all places. Mm-hmm. I do have a horse. It's a really good place to have a horse. Nice. Sort of what brought me back to Kentucky. I went to undergrad here. And I am really excited to have this conversation because the whole reason that I left my online marketing agency seven years ago was because of the loss that we're going to discuss. That loss was the foundation for and the inspiration for driving force behind um, what I do today and, and still is. So, so yeah, that's my truth. And I am, I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to share this, share this conversation with you. So thank you. Yeah, of course. And we'll dig into all of that stuff, but you know what? I'm actually just going to pull the post up here. And if you don't mind, I'll just, I just want to read it because these were your words on well, one week ago, I was thinking like, that must've been like a month ago. I was like, damn, that was only a week ago. And then we connected and here we are on this interview now. Okay. So here's what you wrote in uh, February 21st, 2015. We had no idea how our lives would change in just 10 days. When we learned our first daughter, Maeve Evelyn had passed away just before her due date with no warning or cause seven years ago today in the midst of the biggest snowstorm in Lexington's history, which is kind of crazy. I delivered and met and said goodbye to her in a space of a few hours held by an amazing support team. It took me this long to feel comfortable sharing this photo, which I will link this all up and everything too, but it's you with your husband, I'm assuming, uh-huh. holding on to your, your then pregnant belly amongst as long as I took my ph- photographer to convince me to pose for it. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's a very vulnerable pose. And it represents not only Maeve, did I say that right again? Mm-hmm. Maeve. Mm-hmm. But also the person I was for the first 33 years of my life, right before it changed forever. That's something I want to lean into as well. Everything that I've created in the last seven years, my business and the work I've dedicated myself to has been in memory of Maeve to create a legacy for her that she's, since she's not here to do it and to parent her the only way I knew, knew how. Happy birthday to the eternal angel who made me a parent and who set me on a path of truly living with passion. I carried you for every second of your life and I will love you for every second of mine. That was super emotional for me to even read through and to see it, you know, the, the algorithms of LinkedIn are, are naturally fed to us because of what we actually consume. But that came across my feed at the right time as well. And I felt compelled to jump in and just share in the comments, even what, the fact that I thought that you were very brave for saying that out loud, but then also that I've also experienced this as well, different circumstance, but around the same time too, around 2015. And it's incredible what it's actually opened up since there's been a lot of people you've had 700 or so people, uh, like react to that 150 people comment on it. A whole bunch of people jumped on my comments even too, and, and started giving me feedback and just, uh, acknowledgments and sending love and that type of thing. And what was the feeling you had before you posted that? We Let's start there. I felt nervous to share. The picture is my bare pregnant belly, <laughs> <laughs> pretty modest person, not posing in bikinis and stuff like that. Right. Definitely not a fit fit pro or fit model by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, I had never shared it. So very mixed because I, I always pay tribute to her on her birthday. And as, as you heard, I, this is the first time I've ever shared that picture. And so it's a, it's a, it felt like a marking of a moment, right? These are the passage of time, right? Seven years. It's so strange to think, oh my gosh, I would have a seven-year-old, right? right. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's cathartic 
it was cathartic for me. It always is to be able to to carry on her memory and her legacy. So, and it's it's always completely, I would say, very much a mix of grief and gratitude. Mm-hmm. If you go back to that time, what was what was the feeling? Obviously, there was a lot of pain and and the loss and stuff. But leading up to that moment, was there obviously excitement about this? Because it was to be your first child, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had had three early miscarriages, which is, in a strange way, sort of how I even learned that I could be pregnant because I have PCOS. And so the doctors were kind of like, well, we don't know until you try. Uh, and I was quite nervous about having her largely because I think my default for most of my life has been to put pressure on myself about anything. Like you tell me something, even if it's meant to be empowering, I'm probably in the past would have found a way to flip it and (laughs) put pressure on myself around it. So, so there was this fear because I wasn't one of these people who was like, Oh, this is, this is all I want is, is a family. I, I'm the oldest of four. So I did a lot of babysitting and, um, around kids and all of that growing up. And I, I wouldn't consider myself like a kid person or, or a natural at this parenting thing. And so there was just so much uncertainty and pressure and fear and anxiety of, am I going to do it wrong? Am I going to mess it up? How do I, you know, and, and so doing it for the first time. Right. So just a, a lot of nerves, a lot of nerves in, in, uh, in the background of that picture and of that time. Yeah. What was the gratitude that you just expressed there? Cause obviously there was grief, but what was the gratitude and did you feel it right away or how much, how much time did it take to kind of get to a point of feeling gratitude for such a tragic loss? Yeah. What was really basically instantaneous is that when I held her, I looked at her and I was like, Oh, like if she was actually here, I could do this. Like I got this and I did not expect to feel that way at all, given the circumstances and given how I spent the last nine months feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so oh, she really reinforced for me that this was something that I, I did want and, and could trust myself to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I'll share something for me that didn't come up until about five years later, actually, because my wife and I actually had um, another loss before we lost our daughter, too, where she was born. How far along were you when your daughter when your daughter was born? Thirty seven weeks. Oh, thirty seven weeks. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost full term then. I mean, I was waiting to go into labor. Like the car seat was in the car. Like baby showers had happened the day before. Like, yeah. It was just, you know, yeah. time. Yeah. Our loss happened at 23 weeks and one day, I want to say, I believe. And then we had lost uh, a son before that, too, at 20 weeks. And at 20 weeks, it was painful the first time because there was no birthing process. It was just kind of like a, a choice that we had to make before we even got to that point. But that baby at 23 weeks in one day was actually born and I was able to hold it for like 10 minutes type thing. And they said that there was no breath, but there was an energy to the body for sure. So, but it was really such an interesting experience looking back on it. It was devastating at the time. But what I was going to say is five years later, as my wife and I ended up having one other child already since the loss we were still really struggling, the two of us individually, her, especially like I, I couldn't even understand it. I was trying to empathize with it, but I couldn't understand like just the amount of disappointments in herself that she felt like almost like she created it, which was devastating for me because I, I was like, how do I help? I don't even know what to do or say. And then we went to this, um, this workshop one weekend and there was a series of events that brought us to there, but we were able to sit down and actually reflect on that time and think about what we actually felt relief around over the loss. 
and the gratitude that we could see in that loss. And naturally, we said, well, you know, our son might not be born if not for that loss. That's the most obvious one is always like, you don't know what's going to happen. But the other piece was kind of what you were alluding to is that my wife actually said that she had a feeling that she wasn't ready at that time. And that it was almost like a gift to her to say, you know what, you probably weren't. Or maybe this was something that was here to show you that, no, you actually are. But maybe the way that you showed up or maybe your state of mind or whatever created this. It was such a trippy experience because it was actually really grounding and so devastating at the same time. Like I know both of us were like bawling our eyes out in a room (laughs) of a bunch of strangers mostly. Does that resonate at all though? Any of that stuff I just said? A hundred percent. I, I'm to this day, seven years later, still doing somatic work on myself because there's a significant loss of trust in your body (laughs) for me. Um, and also, you know, my, my now five-year-old was born about 18 months after I lost Maeve. No way would I have chosen that, (laughs) uh, to get pregnant with a nine month old, um, uh, infant, and so very conscious of the fact that I, I, I wouldn't have her, at least if I was you know, planning things and choosing things, right? Uh, and also, there, there, there was a relief. I, I felt way too guilty and full of shame to share that at the time because it felt too connected to like, well, then I caused this, right? Um, but there was because I was so scared. I was so scared of screwing it up, you know, and, and to your point, yeah, it was, it was grounding amidst the, you know, am I going to get out of bed today? I don't know. Am I going to brush my hair this week? We'll see. Right. (laughs) Type of grief that I was going through. (laughs) Yeah. I so much appreciate you just saying that out loud too, because the relief that was the trigger for me and my wife both to just be like, oh my God, we're horrible people. How could we possibly be relieved right now, reflecting back on that and then acknowledge it and say, oh yeah, it was meant to serve us. There was something here that's for us, not happening to us. And in the moment though, it's just like, you just, it's so hard to see it because it's so cloudy, right? You just think like, there's no way I can express gratitude right now. Like this is devastating. I don't even know how I can go on. It's not supposed to happen, right? Right. Like, they say, that, you know, obviously there are lots of different opinions on this, and I can only speak to the fact that I found this helpful to hear that psychologists classify this as, like, the worst loss a human can experience because it's so out of order and it's so, you know, unnatural, quote-unquote, right? Yeah. And then to not have memories all of these things to reflect back on. Right. And I think that that helped to give me permission to, you know, for everything that followed for what sitting on the bathroom floor, crying and not coming out Easter because someone said something, you know what I mean? Like all of these, these things that happened in the rawness while I was attempting to figure out who I was becoming because, you know, the previous version of me had, had died with her. I mean, it was, she was gone. Yeah. It's an interesting, I don't know if the right word's a metaphor, but it's just that framing of death and dying or burning of the bridges of this is who I used to be. That no longer serves me. I know when you and I first started talking here too, you asked me a few questions because naturally one of your core competencies and your core geniuses is in what you do for your purpose work right now is, you know, ultimately, what are you here to do? Who do you serve? What are the kind of people that you attract? And I didn't hesitate now where I might've in the past, I said, "Ah, you know what? It's kind of changed. It's conscious creators and that's it. (laughs) And you were like, yes, that's my people too. So excited. Yes. Yes. And then naturally we can wrap a container around like, well, what does that mean exactly? But I think even in sharing our stories, we express that. And the people that need, that will resonate with it, it's that. 
that's how I explain it a lot of times is when I speak out loud my truth, even the uncomfortable stuff like this conversation even does not make me comfortable or feel good. But it's <laughs> what I know I get to lean into because somebody else will hear this and go, oh my gosh, I, I get to do that as well. Maybe these people can help me with that. So, so what was it for you that, um, and, and I guess how long afterwards, after the loss, did you start to feel this sense of like a rebirth almost and a, and a purpose starting to download to you? Be interested to know. Even through the fog of grief, I think I started, my brain started trying to make some meaning out of it pretty fast because I knew that it, on some level that if I didn't have that, it wasn't going to be good. Right. Like if I couldn't create some sense of purpose here, being who I am, I was headed for a life, you know, lived in a locked room, numbing out. And I, I understand why people do that. Like very, very possible of course. for me to have, to have been like, I'm checking out. Yeah. Right? For a decade um, or a lifetime or whatever. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. And so, what what I became aware of first was that this was this was the defining moment in my life to that point. Mm -hmm. That this was my big T trauma. That I was, like I said, I was giving myself permission for it to be. And then I became aware of how much fear of what other people thought of judgment, of criticism, of all of this had been holding me back up to that point because I was one of these kids with like these huge dreams of being on stages and impact and all of this stuff. And I was hanging out comfortable, running my little business behind the scenes. And doing well and liking it. Yeah. Yeah. There are like yeah. no major I mean, I, red flags of like, I, I hate this. It's like, you're doing okay. Yeah, it's fine. I had replaced my income. I was traveling. I was working with people I really liked. And also, there was that like little undercurrent of like, this isn't the thing. Mm -hmm. This isn't the thing, right? I had had these experiences where like, I'd, I helped broadcast the Olympics three times. And so I had been in front, like literally on the ice with like Michelle Kwan and that era of Fia, Apollo Anton Ono, like, yeah assisting the camera op as they receive their medals feet from them, like watching these people at the absolute top of their, their craft and their sport. Right. And to, to witness that I got to see the same thing with the team USA basketball in 2012, which was like, nice. Next. You want to talk about energy yeah. next level, LeBron and Kobe and all these guys, AD. So to, to have witnessed those types of things and then go like, Okay, I know I have greatness in me, eh, not in the sports arena, um, but in other ways. And, and what am I doing with it, right? What am I doing with this, this one precious life? So I, I realized that because of the fear, I've been playing it safe. And that fear got stripped away when I lost Maeve because now everybody knew I was the girl with the dead baby. Like I was the one, I was the outlier now who didn't follow the traditional path. Like up to that point, yeah, everything looked normal, pretty normal, right? As you're supposed to do, maybe with the exception of, of quitting a, um, a steady job, right? To run a business. And then I was like, they, I have nothing to fear anymore. The worst thing that I can ever possibly imagine happening has happened. Mm -hmm. I would much rather have died and switched places with her if I had been given the choice. Mm -hmm. And I'm still here. So what the bleep am I going to do with my life? Right? And so it was kind of like all the stuff I'd stressed about, all the stuff I'd constricted around, all this with all the ways I've been cheap with myself. I was like, screw it. Everything gets to be different now. I am about to figure out who I actually am meant to be here rediscover i would say because it was really clear when i was little mm -hmm. before the world right and flipping do it both for her and so that i can have 
a, a purpose that will help propel me forward out of this darkness. I love the fact that um, you've said flipping like three times on this interview so far. <laughs> There's just so much politeness to you Southern ladies, you oh know, gosh. but feel free well, to swear it out. If you got to let it out, there's no censor on this podcast. Okay. Good to know. I didn't ask you ahead of time <laughs> if it was explicit or not. That's so probably I to good. I should probably say that to people beforehand. It's like, look, if you want to say fuck on this show, you should yeah. say it out loud. I love it. But yeah, on that context, and then I want to lean into this purpose. So what is the purpose? What did you figure out? I want to just mention one thing here too, because I can totally relate to everything that you're saying as well. And again, it's interesting that you and I have these commonalities too, because in 2009, I jumped from my first entrepreneurial business into an agency doing social media stuff in the sports industry and then got a passion for it and said, I'm going to go do this. And then basically had a hobby for like three years. It wasn't really a business. I just kind of did social media and sports. And it ended up connecting me with Lewis Howes that Lewis and I actually, I don't know if you know who Lewis is or not, School of Greatness podcast. So Lewis and I were basically the same person in 2009 in some ways, right? We both had this passion for social media and sports and we thought, let's just go figure it out and dive into LinkedIn. And we had all these crossing areas including the fact that I registered a domain called linked influence. Cause I was going to create a course. And then he said, Hey, I got the same idea. Maybe we should collaborate. And then we worked together for like four years, but I watched with uh, Lewis's progression as he started to really step into who he is and the people he was surrounding himself with and what he was saying out loud. And I saw his celebrity status and just his voice start to get really, really big. And I held a lot of resentment over it. I've said this just recently in the last month or so, like speaking the truth of that. I was like, what the hell's he doing going there? And I'm still here. And it wasn't like what I was doing was not significant. It was still very fulfilling and successful. But I thought to myself, well, he's maybe got a better story than me. You know, he got injured and he was sleeping on his sister's couch and all of these things. And you've probably heard the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I actually held that for like five, six years where I thought my story is not good enough. I need a better story. I need a better story. I need a better story. And then all of a sudden this happened in my life. And I was like, shit, not that story. I didn't want that to happen. But speaking of like manifesting or creating your reality, that was real for me. And it just hit me not long ago, even like two, three years ago where I was like, I think I actually created that. And then there was a part of me that was really like, oh my God, did I create that? And then there was also a part of me that said, holy shit, I created that. Like, imagine if I actually looked at everything in my life as I am the creator of everything, conscious creator. And that's why I referenced when we first started talking that that's who I attract and that's who I'm here to serve and support now. It's me five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I'm so aligned with it that Sometimes it's even hard to explain, but people will just go, oh my God, you're here to help me too. <laughs> and I believe we connected for that purpose as well, because I'd like to know what that purpose is for you too. So yeah, I'd love to just give you this space to say like, what is it? What does it mean to you? Thank you. I, I feel very connected to this mission of helping people go from surviving to thriving of, I, and I realize that that's like at this moment, a very overused phrase specifically for me, it's around empowerment, empowerment through entrepreneurship. Uh, basically entrepreneurship is a vehicle for transformation and for, for alignment and for co-creation, right? Because, you know, losing Maeve, really put me on a very, a much deeper level of spiritual path than I had been on before. And of course, part of that is like needing to understand for my own, make some meaning out of this experience, right? Why it happened, uh, all of this, as well as uh, what am I going to do with the fact that I'm here, a soul in this body, having this experience? And 
and and it's looked different over the past seven years based on, you know, as we grow, right? So it started with me doing the thing that people were asking me about anyway, which is, hey, how do you quit a job? Start a business. Okay, I've done that. I can help you do that, right? Wrote a book about it, did the thing, coached a lot of people, helped a lot of people quit their jobs. Amazing. Then it became, okay, well, I've hit this milestone in business. Now I'm going to help other people hit a milestone in business. What's so interesting and that I was not present to at all was along the way, I developed this method of going on podcasts with total detachment because it was really fun. The end, right? (laughs) Strategy, (laughs) one line. (laughs) (laughs) And then people started asking me to teach it. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll teach it for free, but I'm a business coach. And like people that were influencers in my field were like, this is a thing. I was like, yeah, 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 no, it's not. It's being a good human. Everybody knows this, right? This is what we do with our stuff. And it took people like basically begging me to please, can you do this for me? Please, can you help me? And because along the way, I had also really wanted to impact and support people who are further along than me in business, but they were not good. They didn't need me as a business coach. Right. So it's kind of like it became at odds with this when you help people who had these really big missions and visions to share. I was like, how am I going to help them? Right. And so the the pieces all came together largely with a lot of a lot of coaching and uh, almost passing out, almost throwing up uh, (laughs) uh, what I call the the four love languages of the the high achiever, which are, um, at least for me, um, procrastination, perfectionism, Mm -hmm. Mm (laughs) self-doubt, and overwhelm. (laughs) Sounds about right. Check, 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 check. (laughs) So, you know, got called out enough and people, yeah, it finally happened. And okay, so this is the new iteration and I needed to figure out how that fit in. And I realized to, to my passion, my purpose, my calling, I realized that what I get to do, you know, having been in media for since 1999 is elevate the voices that I believe to be important, the messages that I believe to be important and help people step into using their, their voice even if they're super successful in business, right? It doesn't mean that they're comfortable sharing and talking like you and I are. And um, instead of just the loudest voices, right? Instead of the ones with the biggest ad budgets who are super bro-y and, or scammers or, or whatever that doesn't align, right? Yeah. Or a shock and awe, something to grab attention and yeah, draw it away from the truth that's actually over here. Distraction, legacy media. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll, we'll get into that too. I want to ask you about why podcasting, but I'll let you finish there. Sorry. That, that's it. That's it. So, well, that's let it. me ask you that then. What, why podcasting? Why podcasting? What was it about it? What is it about it for you? Because I know I've got my own experience and feelings about this, but I want to hear it from your words of what it. Mm, I'm happy to share. And I also am curious. I would love to hear your experience mm. as well. Um, so for me, what, what happened is that I was writing, I've always been a writer. I was writing uh, guest posts for the Huffington Post for, and similar, and I had had success with that. And I had had an example pitch for a podcast sitting in my downloads folder from a friend, right? The downloads folder, which at least for me is where all good intentions go to die. Um, yep. <laughs> and I was intimidated, like I was in, in my in my head and I was like, eh, so I just didn't do anything with it. And I was eight months pregnant with my now five-year-old. So PTSD, extreme anxiety, all the things you can imagine going on when mm-hmm. you are pregnant after the kind of loss that wow. I experienced, right? You know, and um, somebody reached out and said, hey, will you be on my podcast? And it was like an acquaintance. And I was like, okay. So I didn't have to pitch. Great. So mm. I wound up delivering, no pun intended, that interview from a labor and delivery triage bed where I was being monitored because I had, you know, <laughs> I had a doctor appointment in the morning. Oh, they sent me up for additional monitoring because everyone's treating me with kid gloves, which I appreciated. And <laughs> they're like, okay, we need to monitor movement, whatever. And I was like, but I am podcast interview. So they got me hooked up. Everything was fine. And, and 
learning to use my voice, I said to the nurse, look, I know this is going to sound crazy, but can you just turn off the beeps? You can watch me from the nurse's station. I've got an interview I would really like to keep. And they were like, let's not stress out the double high risk, crazy pregnant lady. Let's let's just do, do what she says. says. Right. This was your first interview that you had done. Oh yes, my God. Yes. Yeah. I can, I can show you the picture. I'm like, all strapped up Amazing. in a gown with my little thing and my and my and my computer. And what I found was that even under those circumstances, I fell in love with it. I loved the ability to connect with another person one-on-one and go deep. Mm-hmm. And to be able to just flow in that conversation and connect and then have it get shared. And I was like, I can't think of an easier way to get in front of people. Mm -hmm. And then as I began to like proactively do it, then I began to study like, Oh, why is it? Why is it so fun for me? Why is it so effective when it's done right? And how, how can we, how can we, you know, make it better? And I, I didn't start my podcast until I got invited to speak at PodFest, And I was like, I should probably have a podcast before I go speak at the podcasting conference. (laughs) Uh, it's not necessarily a prerequisite, but <laughs> right, exactly. Maybe. I had been planning it for like seven months. I had been kind of recording and batching, and then I got that acceptance, and I was like, "All right, let's let's this this seems like a good like push me to get it out Put there it in the world." Yeah, but but guesting for me was just it, it it just effortless, and it was so energizing, and it was something I was able to come down and do with very little prep in between nursing my baby and naps and all this stuff. And that kind of like fueled my life because I was getting to connect with so many cool people. And so just, it just felt like for a non-salesy, non-pushy, like just genuine person who wants to build my business based on connection. I was like this. No doubt. It's, I wasn't in a hospital bed. (laughs) (laughs) Doing my first interview, but I think I caught on to the power of uh, the interview probably in like 2012, I want to say, when I first kind of leaped into, like fully leaped into the digital space. And at that time I was, we were doing like webinars very early, like 2012. And the level of connection that you could have with a person where you could share a message and get the feedback loop and that type of thing, that was what kind of hooked me initially. But it wasn't until, because I just launched my my own personal podcast here in August of last year. So there was a big gap there and a lot of content created in the meantime. I just didn't frame it as a podcast. It was just like I created content. I did sales videos. I, cr- I put content out into the world. But when I went to launch here, it was actually January 2021 when I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And I launched it in August. So I was relating to what you were saying there too. Like I was recording things and batching stuff up and then I didn't put it into the world. My hesitation were those four points that you just said, overthinking, you know, it's like, what should I name it? So I, I went through like 50 different iterations of a name. And then eventually I was like, wait a second, this is my podcast. This isn't a gimmicky thing to make sales. Like, but naturally the story for me was, well, who am I to have my own podcast in my own name? You know, like Lewis doesn't have a podcast in his own name. That This is where my head was going. And I was like, well, Joe Rogan does, but I'm not Joe Rogan. You know, it's so it's such a crazy, crazy experience. But I dove into it and my, my first episode I recorded solo and nothing went how I was wanting it to. None of the audio or the lighting or anything worked. I had a guy in our house doing gas fitting. The dog was barking. People were free. Like it, it was just chaos, but I thought to myself, just show up here and just speak from the heart and know that it's going to be an absolute kind of like disaster the way it comes out, but it'll be perfect. And it was, and it was. And ever since then, I've just trusted that I will understand where this is going to take me. And my first 30 episodes, I did mostly interviews. I did two solo episodes that were mostly just reviews of like what came up for me over the last 10 episodes. Well, how did I change my beliefs based on the guests that I brought on? And then in January this year, I decided that it's time to start speaking my truth and not really knowing how far I wanted to push that boundary even to of what I believe to be true. So I started with the most obvious that was happening in the world, which was just lockdowns and mandates and how it was impacting me as a dad. 
not being able to take my kids to swimming lessons because I've chosen not to get vaccinated and all of that stuff. And there was angry me coming out. And then I was like, oh my God, they're going to see the 14 year old in me that used to just fight as a young hockey player and everybody's going to hate me and my family won't talk to me. It was so crazy. All these thoughts that were going through my head. And then what actually happened though, was like, it just unlocked everything for me. It's only been the last, it's only been six weeks since I launched that where, you know, now I jump on a post that you put out, which I normally wouldn't have done that either. But I was like, these, I need to connect with people that can relate to the journey that I've been on and then have conversations like this. This is all I want to do now. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I literally just said that to two of my friends today. I was like, I just love interviewing and being interviewed so much. <laughs> I get, like, how can I just make my business where I'm just doing that? <laughs> right. And, and then naturally, as you start to get past that, like, okay, yeah, that is amazing and let's do that. But then how do we actually ripple that out into the world to then create change and to impact mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. and uh, be a part of the positive elevation of consciousness in this world? And it does then start to tie in how entrepreneurship, because you talked about entrepreneurship as like this, it's one of the most amazing things for self-development because it literally throws you in the fire and says, well, figure it out. And then ask for help and let your ego die and then come back. And it's such a crazy journey, isn't it? It is. Well, you said so in our, in our chat ahead of time, something I think is so, I believe to be true as well, which is this, like, it's not a business problem. It's like, it's your shit. That's it. Like, you know, it's all the things that come up that we perceive to be this, structure or strategy or it's not that stuff it's just not and you know it's that's very confronting <laughs> yeah because we want to control yes we want to know that there's a blueprint yes or a, what and other the, word do we use sold. in marketing <laughs> right absolutely the, the the formula right that's yep. what's sold by by influencers who found hit on something and had success with it and are now like you're gonna have the same no you're not you're a different human right but we all i think that's part of the evolution of entrepreneurship is like we we try the magic the easy button first because human nature and and then we learn the hard way that it doesn't work and we learn the hard way that we're the ones holding us ourselves back and it's not anyone else's fault and we learn the hard way to take radical responsibility and do the inner work and all the things right yeah, 100%. And then I know for me, and maybe you can relate to this too, I'm just going to keep saying stuff out loud and go, do you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but all, all of that stuff, I know for me in the last four months in particular, when I started to just surrender to the idea that I am this person and I need to own that personally and then step into it and overcome all of the limiting beliefs that I have in my head. I had to let an old person an old version of myself literally die. And I'm still, I believe in the process of like completely cutting that and burning the bridge and going, that served me. That was amazing, but that's not who I am going forward. And I think of it in the context of like levels of consciousness. There's I uh, I can't remember the name of the book, Frederick Dodson, I believe levels of energy. I think it's called. Mm. So that was picked up by one of the people that have been my mentor mentor over the years. His name's Scott Oldford. So Scott mm-hmm. Oldford, yeah, he created his own methodology, just kind of took something, made it his own. It's what we do as entrepreneurs too. Yep. But he called it the four levels of consciousness, consciousness, right? The reactive, the willful, the intellectual, and the intuitive. And I think even just by those words, you can already get a sense of like what a reactive person would react to, right? It's like limited time offer. Go follow this blueprint. Do it exactly like me, and you will have the exact same house that I do. That's the reactive buyer. And then on the other side of it is the intuitive of like, yeah, I do some pretty cool shit, and I made enough mistakes to know that I'm pretty damn good at it. You want to work with me? And the right people will go, yes, I do. I do. Tell me tell me about your story of pain, and I will know whether or not you can actually get me to where I want to go. It was hard to believe for a while. I had to trust that, that the, like that was the truth. Cause I, 
kind of went through the marketing ringer, as I'm sure you did, of like, how do I position this? How do I go find these people? What's the strategy? Where do I do lead gen? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it? Anyways, I'll stop talking. What's resonating for you? <laughs> All of it. As you've built your own. Yeah. All of it. Thank out. you. You know, now we, ha- we have kids that are the same age and I think about things like school and I think about my experience, you know, being molded into this little high achiever who believed that she had to be nice, quiet, because I was shamed really early on for being a leader. And I'm very sensitive. And so I, I took that on and it, I became a different person for decades. And a really good student, which translates to being a really good employee. Right? I mean, and hey, I was a professor. Like, I, I have been on both sides of the system. And I think we... It's backwards. It did not set me up to be a successful, empowered uh, creator of my own life. And I, and I went, I had a great schooling experience, right? It's not like a, that wasn't the case. But now as I'm dissecting it versus what I actually needed to come into entrepreneurship, to come into being a leader when that was not a safe thing to be growing up. It's just wild what we, what we are given the opportunity to learn and let go of and grow. And it's wild what our egos try to do to keep us safe. Our egos, our brains, our nervous systems, whatever you want, whatever language you identify with, like, man, my ego is mean, you know? And she's <laughs> like, that, my, my mind talk, my head talk, whatever you want to call it is you know? <laughs> so like, there's just, there's just so much to this that to your point, to get to a place through a lot of pain, through a lot of mistakes, through a lot of, a lot of money invested in trying to find that, oh, well, this is a silver bullet. This is the magic pill. This is, this is, this is, this is. And I'm going, what if, what if the answers are actually inside of me? You know, not that mentors aren't important and to be able to get to a point, like I know you have shared, where you're like, you know what, the work I do, it's like, I, I, I pick my people. Like, I'm not here to just sell everyone. I don't want to try. It's like, I don't, if I don't feel you and you don't feel me, like, it's not, it's, it's not worth it, right? No amount of money is worth, is worth a, a misalignment of energy. And I think that that, that has taken a lot of pain to get to, and a lot of growth and understanding about the energetics of money and da 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 that goes so far beyond like, oh, I'm a coach and I get multiple six figures. Right? <laughs> Man, I feel like we could spin that into 10 different topics too. <laughs> yes. Just the idea of energy and money even too and how, yeah, it's just, it, it's all an energy game, isn't it? It's when you focus on the number, that's when you start to go down a path that actually pulls you away from the reality of what you can ultimately create. If you weren't so damn focused on this thing that isn't even real, like it's not, it's not even, yes, it helps us buy homes and cars and take vacations and all that kind of stuff. But I know I've, I've constantly, and it's an evolving thing. You're always working towards this, but in the last two months, even alone, when I've started to just speak out loud, my own truth I'm attracting people to me that's just creating an abundance of wealth. And it's not just for me. It's like a limitless abundance of wealth for everybody. And I couldn't wrap my head around that. And that was the problem was that I was trying to intellectualize it when the answer was actually stop freaking overthinking everything and just trust and take a breath. I need that tattoo. Trust. It's like my life lesson. So thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And take a breath and also be comfortable in the silence. Just because somebody didn't get back to you or something didn't go as planned does not mean that everything that is around you that you built is going to crumble to the ground. It's actually there to serve you if you let it or it will tear you down. I didn't talk like this even six months ago. I had to go through some of my own things even 
still. But you and I have uh, so many things in common here too. And I just love the language that you're using around all of this and finding your people and just where we are constantly coming to a place where we understand that we are enough and source and the creator of everything. And so who are these people that you are attracting right now in what you do? Because we haven't even really said exactly what it is you do and who you serve, but please tell me what that is. Cause I want you to just say it out loud so that other people can go like, Ooh, that's me. <laughs> mm. So thank you. I, I help people who are really impact driven and who entrepreneurs who work online and who almost exclusively my clients are very spiritual and it's not like any of my branding includes that. It's just, it's energy, right? People feel it. And, uh, they are amazing at what they do, but they're sick of or scared of getting burned by ads and funnels and all of this stuff. And they're like, I just want to connect with people. Like when I get the chance to connect the right people come, right? And it's like, this is the way that we, this is the most fun and also happens to be very leveraged way for us to expand in terms of network, in terms of influence, in terms of clients, income, all the things. And to do it one of the topics that I've pitched to speak at podcast conferences is uh, podcast guesting as spiritual practice. Oh, I like that. Thank you. That's because, good. I would pay you. attention. Ooh. Be like I'm going to that session. All right. Well, I'm still <laughs> waiting to hear what I'm speaking on at PodFest. So it may be that one because it's one of the three. They just haven't told me which one. So fingers crossed. Perfect. Um, but largely for the reason that Unlike other ways of getting in front of people, you've got to practice so much detachment or non-attachment or whatever language that you use around being a guest on podcasts because so much of the experience is completely out of your control, Mm -hmm. right? It's not my podcast. It's not my, it's not my rules. It's not my audience, right? Like it's not my schedule, you know, and I just got to show up and serve. And I would say that that's like, that's the heart of the people that, that I choose to work with and who find me because I mean, we all got into this business because we had a big mission. Like, yes, we would like to eat. So we charge for it, you know, uh, and feed our families. And like, that's not, we could be doing any number of other things if we were in it for the money. Yeah. Lots of ways to make money. Ethical, unethical, all kind, everything in between. Legal, illegal. Illegal, illegal. <laughs> yeah. Probably, maybe even make more money illegally. But nah, I choose to believe actually that I can make an abundance of wealth legally. <laughs> I love it. And with integrity, because who defines legal, anyways? It's true. I don't know. Maybe that's a slippery slope. We don't want to. <laughs> well, we're in different countries, so you know. That's true. That's a, that's a great example, right? Hmm. So those people then, you ultimately, are you serving them to get them onto these other podcasts then? Or do you provide uh, like a service and and strategic coaching and stuff on how to actually do their own podcast as well? Or a little bit of both? My specialty is, is guesting. So while I do have my own podcast, I have a lot of friends who are really great at uh, at helping other people grow their own shows. I have, I have the lane of podcasting, what podcast guesting and what winds up happening is because I have this extensive background in all these different mediums. Right. And I did a documentary and I did all the doc, the interviews for that documentary. And I've done a lot of that kind of thing. Um, helping people get comfortable on camera behind the mic story, obviously marketing, all these. So it all comes together so that I get to do what I, I believe is like what I'm best at, which is coaching and coaching on on how to show up, what to say, what to offer, how to, how to get an ROI, but then also how to do it in a very value driven way, because most people do guesting in a very transactional way, or as John Lee Dumas says, they're vampires. 
right? He's like, I get 400 pitches a month, 399 of them suck. I've interviewed thousands of people. And he said, I can count like on one hand, the number of people who show up the way that you've shown up. And like, again, I just thought I was being a good human. So apparently it's a thing, right? Yeah, no agenda. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, my agenda is to make it a great episode because I realize what a huge honor it is that you are bringing me on your show, that you're going to pay to promote me, to edit it, to market it, all of host it, all of the things. And that just by nature of you having me here, you have endorsed me to everybody who's listening. You have given me an immediate transfer of no like, and trust. And if I am only in this for myself, like what the hell am I doing? I am, I am being, I am out of alignment. I am out of integrity because that's not right. And so I really want to change the way I've never thought of myself as a disruptor, but I really want to change the way that people show up so that we're not salesy, so that we are creating genuine connection and value, right? And we're, we're mirroring back so that it becomes a win-win-win for the audience, for the host, for the guest. Of course, it's going to be a win. Like that's assumed. Like let's let's circulate this this energy, right, of abundance and and so yeah. I mean, practically, like I have people can DIY it and they do great with it. Just take what I do and and do it. Or like I, I work with teams if they want to do it, or I work with the founder and, you know, we'll place them on shows and teach them how it's just kind of like, what do you need? You know, how much, how much help do you need? Like, I got you. Yeah. Well, you are a disruptor (laughs) in a very positive way. And by speaking about all of this stuff here today, I think you're also giving permission to others that maybe have that feeling inside of themselves too, of, shame or something that they're holding on to that's ultimately holding them back to really step into that. And there's a phrase that somebody that um, has been a coach for me uses, which is turning your mess into your message. Now, not, not everybody wants it to be their message. Sometimes they just want that mess to be integrated to say, okay, I own that and I'm, I'm not going to let it kill me and break me down or turn me to the bottle or whatever. But when you do really truly embrace your mess and turn it into your message, man, there's a big ripple effect and an amazing impact that can be created. And it's pretty cool to see what you've done with that. And that's why I wanted to have this chat with you was to really dig into all of that stuff. And I think we think we did that. And I also think we could probably talk for two more hours, but I'm very conscious of time right now. (laughs) Um, But I do have one more question for you. And then I want everybody to know where they can connect with you as well. And that is, what is one thing that you are most grateful for right now? I'm grateful for what I am learning about presence. My first thought was, I'm grateful for like my butt in the chair, my feet on the ground, the fact that I can feel those things. Because I've lived most of my life, even before um, I lost Maeve, just, just up in my head, just either in the past or in the future, just just constantly, right? And, you know, before I got on this path, before Maeve, I would have been like, ah, that's for hippies, you know? Tree energy, (laughs) that's for hippies. You guys are lazy, unproductive, right? So the irony, right, of like all of my judgment is not lost on me. And Mm -hmm. I'm also really grateful to have had, you know, the power of, of presence, like, modeled for me and... (laughs) reflected to me so often like trevor you have a super grounding energy in my perception and man like even to be able to be present to having this conversation like i know it's a good conversation when i like get flushed like i'm getting hot and i was cold right before this i'm like i am (laughs) in this thing you know (laughs) so i just i'm grateful for the the way that presence, if we want to get real quantum here, like opens up time and the perception of time and the experience of, of life 
because um, that kind of just changes everything. That was a perfect answer. There's never a wrong answer, but that was amazing to hear you say that out loud because I feel like we're actually the same person in so many ways. Like you would, you would, you'd say something and I'd just be thinking to myself, oh God, me too. And not just about one particular thing, but just like an entire lifetime of, of journey. All of it, all of it. So crazy, but so cool. It's so cool. And I'm also very open to, because when you were joking about, oh yeah, you mean that hippy dippy woo woo stuff you're talking about there? Yeah, like breath work, right? Yeah. Breath work, meditation. Mm-hmm, sure. That was me too. And it wasn't that long ago, actually, until I started to shift it and go, okay, what you've been doing till now to try and control the narrative of your life, that shit ain't working. Like, yeah, you've been able to like be grateful for what you have and what we've created and all that kind of stuff. Like I did create that. But imagine if I had the power to actually create anything that I want, just like I did with some of the hardships and the pain that I felt over the years. Imagine that and then just sit with it and be present and go, you know what? It's actually, let's not think about the future. Let's just be here right now. I'm so curious how you, like what (laughs) brought you to that? Like, cause you sounds like pretty recent. Yeah, it's, it's a hand, it's, it's never one thing, I don't think, but it was just a curiosity of there has to be more. And the world that we're in right now with the craziness of COVID and the wars and political stuff and just div- division and race and all of these things, like there was part of me that was going like, what the F is going on in this planet right now? And then when you sit as a parent and you're like, this is what they're inheriting. Like I think about our parents and their parents and their parents. I'm sure they all had the same thing of like the world's going crazy, but it just feels even more accelerated right now. And I thought to myself, I need to be a part of the change. What does that even mean? And then I, I actually just surrendered to the idea of, well, stop trying to figure it out all yourself and just go find a tribe of people that will ask similar questions or ask a question that you don't even know what to ask. And then also find guides and teachers and higher wisdom to help me along the way. And I didn't even know where to start, to be honest, but I did have Danielle Grant, who I mentioned to you at the start, who was there to say, yeah, I'll work with you on this. And she's been really, really supportive through the whole thing. And then the last thing I'll say on that is just, I defaulted to, to go seek I was like, okay, this must exist out in the universe already. I'm just going to go find it and I'll join it. And there was a lot of amazing things out there, but there were still parts where I was like, "Mm, there's still something missing. I don't know what it is. And then Danielle started to challenge me saying, why don't you just create it yourself? Well, who am I to do that? I can't bring these people together. And, And then it just evolved and we've called it the Source Collective. And it's still being created as we speak. And like I told you before, I wanted to wrap a container around it and give it a structure and an offer and a launch. And because that's what I always did. Yeah. And she said, no, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to let it happen because it's actually already happened. You just have to believe that it, that it exists. And I was like, what (laughs) are you talking about? Crazy lady. And then that happened. It's already happened. And yeah, I was going to mention to you, I want, I'd love for you to meet Danielle too. And for you to feel that energy of that group too, because it's hard to even explain. It really is. But you get a group of people together that have big visions, crazy ideas, and then their own limiting beliefs. But then collectively you're like, no, you can do that. I did that. And you're like, oh shit. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy what can be created. What a beautiful example of like surrender and trust, right? Like trying to do it the way you've always done it and then being like, nope, I'm going to do it the opposite of that. And it's really uncomfortable and super also, uncomfortable. Look, look what you've done. That's amazing. I, uh, so inspiring. And speaking of podcasts, I'll say this too. One of the things that actually helped me in that transition over the last four months has been cold plunging. And really? Yeah, it's just a modality, right? It's like anything else. But I was fortunate enough to have a neighbor who was into it 
And he's like, yeah, I got one in my backyard. And I was like, I got to go see this. I'm like, what, you got this big fancy thing? He's like, no, it's a horse trough. And I filled it with water. And I was like, shit, I can do that. So I went and bought one the next day, put it on my deck. And I've been doing it every day since. I've missed like maybe a dozen days in the last like three months. And speaking of podcasts, so that neighbor and I now, every Wednesday, walk down to the river, which, because we lucky we live in the mountains here, it's like 12 minutes to get down to this mountain-fed river. And we go sit in that river every Wednesday and record a podcast episode called The Cold Plunge Truth. <laughs> That's so cool. And it lasts as long as we can last. Oh my gosh. Basically. Oh my gosh. It's like this spiritually elevated version of cold as balls. Have you ever seen that show? I have. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I love fact, it. We had a very spiritually elevated moment on the first episode last Wednesday where we were like, this is a mountain river that fish run up and down on. And there is a shit ton of bears in our area. We are going to see one at some point. And we're like, we didn't really think about this one, did we? <laughs> But let's just trust that if I'm supposed to go by the hand of a bear, that was what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I'm okay with that, too. It's pretty dramatic. I mean, what a way. That's what keeps <laughs> people coming back episode after episode. <laughs> oh, I love it. And the guests that we'll have and that will come in the river, too. So you're more than invited. If you're ever in the area, please do. You can jump in the river. You can speak okay. some of your truth. Okay. I won't last long, but I'm here for it. I just, it's there. It's been presented to you anyway. So thank you. Of course, this has been an incredible conversation. I kind of knew that it would be, but um, I'd, how can people connect with you, find out more about you, mm. channel you, mm. whatever you want to call it? Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, this has been, oh, we're recording this. It's like almost 530 on a Friday afternoon here. I'm like, I can do this all day. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> but you're a mom and you have kids uh, yeah. and you probably people relying on you to sustain life. So exactly, you, yeah. exactly. They're <laughs> pounding around up there. Um, having starting, starting the party. I have a podcast guesting checklist that it's like how to be a good guest, right? Like most, it, what I find is that people can be transactional, even if, even if they don't know it even if that's not their value or their intention because of what's been modeled. And so, uh, again, I want to change that. So it's free and you can grab it at lifewithpassion.com slash checklist. Cool. I will link that up for sure. And it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. And I feel like this won't be the last time we'll speak. In fact, it won't be. I know it won't be. Yes, I'm so <laughs> grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 